Welcome to The Institute, a podcast on the lives and work of fellows and friends of the Institute for the Arts and Humanities at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. I'm Philip Hollingsworth. In this episode, I speak with Professor Emeritus of Religious Studies, David Halperin. In our conversation, Professor Halperin discusses his new book, Intimate Alien, The Hidden Story of the UFO, published by Stanford University Press, available now. You can also learn more about Professor Halperin's work at his website, davidhalperin.net. Before we get into your book, your new book, Intimate Alien, The Hidden Story of the UFO, um, could you talk a little bit about, as uh, a religious studies professor at UNC, what your primary focus was? I know you had a full career, but what was your general um, area of study? Well, but, uh, but my specialty was uh, Judaic studies, that I taught the history of Judaism for 24 years at UNC. When I started, I did almost entirely ancient Judaism and then shifted to presenting the entire history of Judaism. But in terms of my research interest, I gravitated toward religious traditions, Jewish and non-Jewish, of heavenly ascent and otherworldly journeys, which you're smiling, you recognize yeah. that as, <laughs> as, I, as I have for many years as being a different variety of my teenage fascination with UFOs. Yeah, uh, so what sparked that was there a like a text or an image or something that sparked that interest as a teenager for you? Well, we're going to have to go back to when I was 12 going on 13. And a friend of mine in, in eighth grade, and I decided to write a, an extra credit paper for a science class. We we're going to write about life on other planets. So we bicycled to the public library of our town and we found three books on flying saucers, which was the more common terminology back then. This was in 1960. And one of them was a book called They Knew Too Much About Flying Saucers by Gray Barker, which is the book from which the myth of the, three, of the men in black originated. It was published in 1956. That's more than 40 years before it hit the movie screens. And the basic thrust of the book is that people discover the dreadful secret of the UFOs, and then they're visited by men in black who terrify them into silence. Now, what's remarkable is that I read this book, and fantastic as it seemed, I recognized it. I knew the men in black. I knew they were real because there had been in my own household a dreadful secret, which was that my mother was slowly dying, that none of us could talk about, so that the three men in black were realities to me. I believed in them because of my own experience. And because I believed in the men in black, it followed that 
what they were concealing had to be real. And that's how I became a ufologist. Yeah, and what I really enjoy about the book, we'll kind of transition into the book. Uh, once again, the title's Intimate Alien, The Hidden Story of the UFO. What I love about this book is it mixes this origin story for you as a ufologist and a, I guess it, that also seems to me as the seed as, as, a, uh, as a future academic uh, or researcher and investigator uh, um, of sorts. And it melds this with your, your career as a religious studies professor and your understanding of, of myth and of, uh, I guess in this case, uh, Jungian, would you consider it philosophy? Or can you talk a little bit about the book and how it kind of melds all these different worlds that you, you're from and, and kind of synthesizes everything? I do not believe that we're being visited from outer space. Right, yes. I think that the UFO skeptics are right about what I call the less important issue. UFOs do not exist as physical machines. The believers, though, are right about the more important issue, which is that UFOs are a subject of great importance and that attention must be made. I think most of my, and I still think of myself as a ufologist, actually. I think yeah. of most of my fellow ufologists are looking in the wrong direction for the mystery. They're looking up there, whereas they should be looking in here. But they are right in insisting that there is a mystery. Now, what I proclaim on my website is, UFOs are a myth, myths are real which is not our conventional use of the word myth. We tend to speak, use myth to mean something that's bunk or nonsense, or at least that isn't true. But I use it in the way that Carl Jung used it, as a kind of collective dream of our species. I want to be a little bit more, I think it's, I think some elements of the UFO myth are universal human. I think some are individual. I think some are cultural. But what it does as a myth is bring to light aspects of ourselves, our longings, our terrors that we normally don't want to acknowledge. We project them into the sky. Our ancestors would have called these things visions of God. Mm -hmm. And I think vision might be a more apt word for what a UFO experience is than sighting. I was just wondering how it was for you as someone who is in this, you know, academic, this scholarly field, or, and also this uh, in academia itself, straddling the line between something such as UFOs or ufology, which may be seen as, you know, lowbrow or lesser than or some sort of subculture. Uh, can you talk to that as how you inhabit both worlds, as it, as it seems? Yeah, well, I think what I 
when I started teaching at UNC, I think my colleagues knew I was kind of into, into UFOs. Yeah. But I don't think, I didn't, I presented it as something from my past. It was only particularly after I got tenure and still more after I retired that I turned around and I asked, what do the UFOs mean to me? And how have they guided me throughout my life in terms of the sorts of questions that I like to ask? Now, these kinds of questions sometimes stir up considerable uh, vehemence yeah. among some people. And I'll tell you a story if you, that in, uh, in the fall of 1995, I gave a paper before a scholarly conference comparing the abduction stories, which were then at their height, and uh, uh, traditions of heavenly ascent. And the paper was a sensation. I remember the moderator, when then during the question period, after I'd fielded about half a dozen questions, the moderator said, now, does somebody have questions for anyone on the panel besides <laughs> Professor Halperin? Uh-huh. So I, I was quite buoyed by that. And then I sent it off, the paper off, to a dis- quite distinguished journal. And the editor sent it back with one uh what do you call it, one evaluation. Normally they ask for two, but he sent it back with one evaluation who said, I assume that the paper is a joke. (laughs) And if the author is serious, he ought to be subject to, to, to criminal prosecution for malpractice. Oh my God. And when I read that, I thought, bingo, I was right. Yeah. That you do not create, you do not provoke such a vehement response unless you've hit something. Right, right. And this is what leads led me to my conviction that the not only okay that you the UFO doesn't take place just in the sky that the witnesses are part of the sighting those who repeat it are part of the encounter those who believe it are part of the encounter and those who ridicule it are part mm-hmm. of the encounter that the ridicule and the violent abuse such as i received mm-hmm. are as much a part of the phenomenon as what we see in the sky so in the book you speak to as we've mentioned before ufo experiences connected to trauma whether personal or ancestral which the one the one chapter about the the um the interracial couples really fascinating but given the current state of affairs is could would you anticipate or expect um any more sightings or anything uh, any experiences that would come out of this related to ufos or alien encounters or anything yeah yeah and i'll move back a step and that is that ufos and and i i I didn't write about this in my book it was just too recent that ufos have undergone an amazing surge of attention and respectability such as we could not have dreamed in my teen ufologist days. 
that in December of 2017, the New York Times ran a pair of stories about the Pentagon, secret Pentagon UFO program and yeah. videos, but you're familiar with those. Yeah, I am, yeah. And what, now, okay, I, I don't know about this program. I'm willing to say it's probably a bit of uh, pork barrels uh, mm -hmm. uh, stuff. I, I, I think it has something to do with, uh, with, with somebody in Nevada who's a good buddy of Senator Harry Reid's. And the sighting, the, the videos of the, from the Navy pilots, they're really interesting, but they're nothing, they're, they're, they're just a good UFO reports, such as, such as we used to get. But what I think is the extraordinary part of the story is this is in the New York Times. Right. Which has in the byline, one of the three authors is Leslie Kane, who has no connection with the New York Times, but is the author of a 2010 bestseller trying to prove that UFOs are real. Now, how does she become an honorary Times correspondent? The story, the, the Washington Post is not, is not willing to be left behind. It picks up the story under an equally dramatic headline. MSNBC interviews one of the other Times writers who talks about mysterious alloys that are being held in garages in Nevada that no one can explain how that what how how the how they came to be. I mean, I I don't think these things exist. It's been more than two years since then, and there's been no follow-up. But what strikes me is first of all the respectability of the UFOs. What I for many years, the New York Times would not mention UFOs without its nose stuck up in the air. Right. And the second thing is that I could detect a correlation between the media that gave the UFO story big play and the liberal East Coast media that Trump loves to bash. Mm -hmm. well, by contrast, Fox News was much, much less enthusiastic about the UFOs. So I suspect that this new respectability has something to do with the utterly extraordinary election of 2016. And okay, what follows is absolute pure speculation. Well, it rests on what I argued in the book that you, that at their basic the most basic level, what the UFOs is about is death and that they burst into our culture at a time when collective death of the species becomes possible through nuclear weapons, this being the, the 1940s. Okay, you following me so far? Right, yeah. Now, what's this got to do with Donald Trump? I think now we are facing the prospect of another collective death not nuclear, but climatological, and that UFOs attract attention because unconsciously we know that they are this sinister invading alien that threatens us all. Now, I've gotten to stage two of my answer. Now, yeah. stage three, what is, I mean, COVID-19 
seems to me to give us a foretaste of what we might expect from global warming, and perhaps a warning that I hope we pay attention to. What effect is it going to have on the UFO myth and the UFO experience? That was your question, and I'm going to have to tell you, I don't know, but I think it's going to have some. And just this morning, if you go to the website, theweek.com, you will see amid articles about the coronavirus, naturally, and about whether Joe Biden is the best or worst candidate to take on Donald Trump in November, you will see an article by one Jiva Lang about the UFO wave in Belgium 30 years ago. Why does the weak feel it appropriate at a time of multiple crises, stock market crashing, to talk about 30-year-old UFO sightings? You said, I yeah. think that you, you, you already know the answer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll just have to keep on seeing how, how it unfolds. Yes, definitely. Thanks for that. Um, I have one more question, if that's all right. What's a book that changed your life? Gray Barker, they knew too much about flying saucers. Yeah. <laughs> I would not be the person I am today if it were not for that book. It is a thoroughly disreputable book, but also, if you've not read it, do. Okay. What, what, um, why, why do you think that book had such an impact on you versus any other book on, on UFOs or, or experiences like that? Because it told me the secret of what was going on in my house. I remember, that, well, this is in the book, but I remember my book. I remember my eye fell on a phrase from Barker's book. They seem to age prematurely. Girls of 20 soon appeared to be old women. And I looked at my mother and I thought, not consciously, okay? Because mm -hmm. I really believe in the unconscious. Okay. That I thought, this is the book that will explain what's going on here. When you have that kind of an existential connection with a book. Yeah. It's going to mold you. Professor Halperin, and, and once again, thanks very much for taking the time. Well, thank you for having me, Philip. Once again, you can order Professor Halperin's new book, Intimate Alien, The Hidden Story of the UFO, from Stanford University Press or from your local independent bookstore. Visit davidhalperin.net for more essays and information on Halperin's work. Check back at iah.unc.edu for the latest news on our fellows and upcoming events at Hyde Hall. You can find all our episodes of the podcast on our website as well as iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at IAH underscore UNC.